I'm going to jump in right now, and, and uh, 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 I, just, I just can't tell you how important it is. This is, by the way, the last session of Lord of All, and uh, I'm going to talk about the transformed mind. It's amazing how much the mind affects our lives, how it really affects our attitude. It affects our lifestyle. It affects our decisions. It affects uh, so many things. It's amazing how much. And, and I was reading some information by a, basically she's a, uh, I guess a, I don't know what you'd call her, but she's a scientist, but she studies the mind. And she said that for every negative thought or emotion that you have, it takes three positive ones to overcome that negative. You know, we live in a negative world. And I can't imagine... I wonder, honey, can you grab my phone out of my... It's in my pocket of my sport coat. I have a sport coat because I'm going to be going to the memorial service. <laughs> I walked in, somebody says, can I take a picture of you? I haven't seen you in a sport coat. I said, you better take it quickly because you're not going to see me in it very long. Anyway, <laughs> but, but I just... Uh, I, I, it's amazing, on my, inter, you know, on, on my emails, I constantly get these, I don't know what you'd call them, I guess informational updates. And uh, a lot of them are Christian. And it's amazing how so many of them are extremely, extremely negative. I'm going to, I'll just give you an example of one that just came in. And uh, this came in yesterday, or I think it was yesterday. And uh, it says, uh, this is an urgent plea. We're on the eve of war with jihadist terror, Russian aggression, Iranian nuclear ambition, (laughs) and our economy is about to crash. Uh, Now, I could go on and on. It just gets even more depressing. And uh, the solution is to get in contact with their ministry. Anyway, uh, (laughs) now... (laughs) <laughs> but, but it's interesting how much negative stuff, and even on the, you know, I mean, I, I, I never, I seldom watch the news. I, you know, I try to stay up to date with everything that's going on, but there, there was, were shootings in, you know, well, there was New Jersey and New York. You probably heard about that this week. Uh, and, and I'm not putting my head in the sand. I'm not saying there are not jihadists and ISIS people. People doing terrible things, uh, you know, radical, uh, radical Muslims doing stuff. And, and, you know, I have, <laughs> I minister to Muslims in Pakistan every year. And so I know some wonderful Muslims who really want peace and, and really are trying to eradicate the radicals. And, but there are radical. There, there, there are radicals. And, <laughs> you know, you can't say, you can't lump everybody into the radical group. You can't lump everybody into the good group. There's, there's good and bad apples, right, in every, in every barrel. And so, so there's a lot of stuff going on, but there's also a lot of negativity that's just constantly bombarding us. You know, it's really interesting in Daniel, you might have to kind of scroll through there, but I had a scripture up there, Daniel 12, uh, four, it was somewhere down there. I'm, I'm, I feel like the Lord's leading me a little direction, different direction this morning, but yeah, it says this, Daniel writes this, Daniel had an end time prophetic word. And he says this in the very end times, he says, but you, Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book until the time of the end. And then he says, at the time of the end, many, <laughs> many shall run to and fro. You can put it up again. I haven't memorized it yet. But anyway, uh, <laughs> many shall run to and fro 
and knowledge shall increase. Now, I don't know if there's a better word to describe our present day. Running to and fro. I see people always in a hurry. They're always running to and fro. If you go back 200 years ago, when we were an agrarian society, uh, life was very peaceful. Uh, people would head out to the fields in the morning and head home in the evening. And I mean, it, life was just a lot quieter. There were no cars. There was no internet. Uh, there was no Twitter or Facebook. There was no, I mean, there were no cell phones life was a lot slower. But now people are running to and fro and talk about knowledge increasing. Just in the last 20 years, knowledge has increased incredibly. I mean, it's amazing now. If I want to know something, uh, you know, all I have to do, uh, if I want to find out, you know, when did D.L. Moody live and when did he die? I just ask Siri and she tells me exactly. D.L. Moody lived from... Oh, she has a little higher voice than that. D.L. Moody lived from... Anyway, Siri knows everything. And so, so I can't believe that now in this day of... I mean, it's amazing how we have access to so much knowledge. But here's the problem. We are bombarded constantly with all kinds of things. And, you know, there was a time where there would be tragedies around the world where... Where if you lived here or anywhere, you didn't know about it. But now, because of, of media and everything, it comes right onto our doorstep. If there's a horrible tragedy on the other side of the world, guess what? You're seeing the images. You're experiencing the pain. And, and so I just want to say that there's something that's so essential that I'm going to talk about. And that is renewing your mind. Because if you don't renew your mind, I really believe that it's going to really prevent you from fulfilling the destiny that God has. Now, I want you to know God has an incredible destiny for every one of our lives. You know, he makes it very clear, he, many places in scripture, Jeremiah 29, 11. I mean, there's so many places where he says, I have a good plan for you, a plan of hope, a plan. And then uh, in Ephesians chapter 2, 10, he says that, you know, I have a plan for you. And he said that you would just walk in that plan. And, and so God has a great plan for our lives. He wants us to make an impact. But I want you to know negativity can take you down. Negativity and, and, and worldly thoughts also gives access to the enemy. I'm going to show you that in a minute. And so the message I have this morning, is, it's a message that's so essential. We have to constantly renew our minds. We have to constantly bring our minds into that place where they're, where, where they're renewed. I'm going to give you the scripture for that. Uh, it's Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. You can turn your Bibles to that. I think two weeks ago I preached on Romans chapter 12, 1. I'm going to really focus on 12, 2 today, uh, but I'm going to read it in context. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in the view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. In other words, it all begins with laying it all out before God. You know, He is God. We are his children, and we've got to lay it out. We've got to make him number one in our lives. And that's why we're talking about Lord of all. He's got to be Lord of every area of our life, not just where we feel it's convenient. Look at, number, look at, uh, look at chapter uh, 12, verse 2. Do not conform, say conform, to the pattern of the world, but be transformed, say transformed, by the renewing of your mind, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good and pleasing perfect will. 
Now, I want you to know God has a will for every one of us. He has a perfect and pleasing will for us. But sometimes if we don't renew our minds, we get off track and we do not walk in the fullness of it. That's what this is saying. I want to give you the two Greek words. Uh, first, the Greek word for conform. I want you to see it's an interesting word. We get an English word from this. It's the word suschemata, schematizo, suschematizo. And what, it, what it's actually saying is suschematizo actually means, uh, you know, you, you've see, you can see in there, uh, you know, a, schema, a schematic. You've seen a schema, you've heard of a schematic drawing. The schematic drawing is supposed to be a copy of what it's supposed to look like. And so schematizo is basically conform. The world wants to conform you to its way of thinking. It's negative in its thinking. It's uh, gloom and doom. It's just, it just has a very negative way of presenting things. By the way, that shouldn't be surprising because in Ephesians 2, 2, it tells us, uh, and then in 1 Corinthians, it says that, that somebody is the God of this world. Do you know who the God of this world is? Satan is. Satan is the God of this world. So it shouldn't be surprising that conforming to the world would impact us. And, you know, Satan would love us to conform to the world because it gives us access. It gives him access to us. But that's why it says it's so important that we constantly renew our mind. And let me show you the word for transform. But he said, instead, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The word for transform is the word metamorpho. Say metamorpho. Metamorpho is a very interesting word. It's the word we get, the English word, metamorphosis. You know, so basically it's really changing, not into a copy, but into a totally different, a totally different form of substance. I think it's neat, the worship team, they didn't know exactly what I was preaching on today, but they sang that you make everything new. And basically, that's what transform means. If you've ever seen a caterpillar, you know, kind of, a caterpillar is one of the ugliest. I'm sorry, you know, if, if you like caterpillars, forgive me. But uh, <laughs> caterpillars are ugly. They got these, you know, I mean, they're just ugly. I, I don't know how to say it in any other way. <laughs> but butterflies are some of the most beautiful creatures, I think, on the face of the earth. I mean, they're, they're so, if you've ever not been to the butterfly pavilion, I encourage you to go to the Butterfly Pavilion. It's not that far from here, but butterflies are incredible creatures. A person who doesn't believe in creation walked into that Butterfly Pavilion and sees all these different forms of butterflies, beautiful, all created in beautiful colors and different forms, and when they fly, they're just so light and beautiful. I mean, to go from a caterpillar to a butterfly, well, that's what Jesus does when he comes into our life. He literally changes us from that ugly caterpillar that's crawling along the ground, eating that leaf, to suddenly this incredibly beautiful butterfly that's just floating through the air. And uh, I was sitting out uh, in the front of our home, uh, just kind of doing my devotion. Uh, this was maybe a week or two ago. And I was just there, and I just paused, and I just said, Lord, what, what do you want to say to me? And all of a sudden, this butterfly just comes floating by, and lands right on the flower, right in front of me. And just land at me, and the butterfly was facing me, and it was kind of just its wings, and it was looking at me. And I go, Lord, <laughs> I know you're trying to convey something here. I don't know if I'm getting it all, but, but I, I really believe that somehow you're touching my heart. And I really felt the God's presence in that. Now, uh, I, just, I just want you to know God 
really, really wants to transform your lives. And he transforms our lives when Jesus comes into our life, but then there's an ongoing transformation. The big theological word for that is, it's called sanctification. It's where we're becoming more like Jesus. So we're instantly changed in our spirit when Jesus Christ comes into our life, but then there's a process where we're becoming more like him. Now that process, really, one of the keys to that process is a renewed mind. You know, um, I want to just give you a scripture where uh, it's interesting. A renewed mind, it really takes revelation to renew the mind. You can't just get information. When I was in seminary, there were some professors that would give information. There were other professors who really had a relationship with God and the Holy Spirit, and they would bring revelation. Revelation changes your life. Information is good, but it doesn't necessarily change your life. That's why it says knowledge puffs up. But revelation changes you. And so I'm going to give you the story of Peter. Many of you know the story of Peter. Uh, Peter was a risk taker. I love Peter. I can't wait to meet him when I get to heaven. He's one of the first guys I want to get to know. I mean, uh, I, just, I just love it the way he would put his foot in his mouth all the time. And yet, uh, he was the guy that got to preach on the day of Pentecost. You know, He was the guy that jumped out of the boat and walked on water for a little while until he saw the waves and thought, what am I doing? And blah, blah, blah. He went under. But, but you know, uh, I can relate to Peter. I can relate to Peter because I feel like I've kind of going blub, 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 blub several times under the water. And anyway, the mercy of Jesus comes and picks us up. But, but, but here's the thing I want to say. Peter, Jesus said to his disciples, he goes, who do men say that I am? And they, they came up with all the, the kind of conveyed knowledge, the, the knowledge of the day. Well, some say you're John the Baptist. Some say you're Elijah the prophet. Some say you're Jeremiah or another prophet. In other words, they're, they're given all the possibilities. But then he says to them, but who do you say that I am? In other words, I don't care what everybody else says. I want to know what you say. And that's the way God feels. You know, he's asking you, who do you say that I am? That's what he wants to know. He wants that personal connection. Who do you say that I am? And Peter blurts out, you are the Messiah, the Son of God. And Jesus says, Peter, I know you well. <laughs> I know that wasn't you that came up with that. I'm paraphrasing this a little bit. But anyway, that's what he was saying. Uh, Peter, I know you're not that smart. And, and he says this, my father in heaven has revealed that to you. Now, you can imagine Peter was beaming. Uh, the other disciples are looking at him. And Peter's just, and he's just, <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, I got it. <laughs> yeah. And uh, just a few verses later, a few verses later, Jesus is telling his disciples, he said, I'm going to go, I'm going to die. On the third day, I'll rise, but I'm going to leave you. And Peter goes, no way. No way. You can't do that. You can't leave. You cannot go. And here's what Jesus says. You can put it up. Matthew 16, 23. He says, Jesus turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. <laughs> now, I want you to imagine, just a few minutes before, Peter was on cloud nine. He was the only one that got it. Now he's saying, get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. You see, there's an example of a renewed mind and an unrenewed mind, amen? Peter had a renewed mind for a little while, and then all of a sudden he lost it. <laughs> he lost his renewed mind. How many of you know if that can happen to Peter, that can happen to us, amen? You know, so... 
we got to walk in that renewed mind because it's easy to get out of that renewed mind. So the question is, how do you do that? Well, I'm glad you asked. Before I tell you that, though, I want to make a point here because I think it's really important. Sometimes we think, oh, well, if we just think in a worldly way or we don't have a renewed mind, it's not that bad. But I want you to know that the enemy has access to our mind when we don't think in a renewed way. What's the example? Peter. When Peter didn't think in a renewed way, Jesus says to him, get behind me, Satan. Now, he was not saying that Peter was Satan. He was saying that basically Satan was using Peter to speak to Jesus, to tempt him not to do what God had called him to do. I want you to know that Satan had access to move through him in that way. You know, it's interesting in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, 3, Paul's writing to the Corinthians. He says, but I fear lest somehow as the serpent Eve, as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, so your minds may be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. Now, did you hear that? Just as the serpent, just as the serpent was able to deceive Eve and also deceived Adam too, but was able to deceive in the same way that your minds would be deceived. Remember how the enemy came? He came and he said, oh, God didn't say that. I mean, there were who knows how many types of trees that were in the garden. I imagine there were a huge amount. Today, there's like 25, I think there's 25,000 different types of trees. But, but think of all the trees in the garden. Many of them were fruit trees and fruit-bearing trees, but there's only one tree they can't eat of. So the enemy comes and says, well, well, no, no, God doesn't mean that. In fact, the day you eat of that, you'll be like him. So Satan is able to twist and play on his mind, and, and Adam also, he's able to get through to Adam. And, and I just want you to know something, that the enemy wants to use an unrenewed mind to get through. That's why if you can renew your mind, there's a protection that comes. So how do we do this? Okay, number one, I believe prayer is essential. Say prayer. Now, I believe prayer is essential to a renewed mind. Why is that? Well, I was a Zen Buddhist, ran the Monterey Zendo in Monterey, California. And I would stare at a wall for 40 minutes in the morning, 40 minutes in the evening. And I would empty my mind. Eastern meditation does that. However, prayer does something different. It brings us into a relationship with the living God. And he begins to fill our mind. Fill our mind with scripture. Fill our mind with good thoughts. Even fill our, our hearts and our emotions with a sense of his presence and his love, his unconditional love. And so prayer is essential. I know when I became a Christian at 28 and a half, it was like going from two dimensions to three, where suddenly I had this incredible relationship with someone I knew was there. I just didn't know how to come into a relationship with him. And he would down love stuff. He would tell me, he would show me how much he loved me. He would just let me know his love, which was unbelievable because I felt so unlovable. I want you to know that he comes in so many ways. He comes directly. He comes through his word. Before, when I'd read, uh, somebody had given me a little New Testament when I was hitching on the Oregon coast, and it was nice. I read it a little bit. Now, when I read it, it would come alive. 
It would come alive. And so prayer, that time of prayer, that time of connecting with him, and I could do it 24-7. I didn't have to do it 40 minutes in the morning and 40 minutes in the evening. I could do it all times. I had this relationship. That blew me away. That blew me away. It still blows me away. That we can have a relationship with the living God, the one who created the heavens and the earth, the one who created those incredible species of butterflies. I mean, <laughs> the amazing thing is we have this relationship with him. And, and, I, and you know, <laughs> I can't tell you how important it is. Now, in 2 Corinthians 10.5, it says, we demolish arguments in every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take every and we take captive every thought <clears throat> to make it obedient to Christ. It's interesting, the word here where we demolish arguments, the word arguments is the word logismos in the Greek. It actually means logic or reasoning. Now I want you to know that reasoning, especially worldly reasoning, is one of the things that the enemy is able to use. You see, oftentimes when the Holy Spirit drops something into our human spirit, it goes against our natural reasoning. And when that happens, we have a choice. <laughs> we can go with our natural reasoning or we can go with what the Holy Spirit's bringing. Also, a lot of our thoughts are not captive to Christ. So we have to make an effort to bring those thoughts captive. I talked to somebody recently who was really having a struggle with pornography. And uh, just talked, we had a very honest conversation because I know pornography is, a, you know, it's struggling. It's a, it's a major struggle for a lot of men. And we were talking real honestly. I said, what is it that, that keeps drawing you back to this? He goes, every time I do it, I hate myself. I hate it. I don't like it. I said, well, why would you do it? He said, well, you know, it, I don't know. I just think, oh, well, I kind of rationalize. Oh, well, I've really worked hard. I've done this. I've done that. I deserve a little pleasure. I said, but it isn't pleasure. It doesn't help you. It doesn't free you. It makes you feel worse. It makes you feel dirty. It, it messes up your mind. It puts images in your mind that are not of God. He goes, I know. I hate that. I said, you know what? You're going to have to make an effort to bring those rationalizations and those thoughts captive to Christ. Because it just hurts your life. God still loves you, but it ruins your life. It messes up your mind. It, it keeps your mind from being renewed. It hurts your prayer life. It hurts your relationship with others. It's so important, but you got to deal with it. You can't just go, oh, well, it's okay. You can't reason and rationalize that it's okay because it's destructive. I mean, that's just an example. But there's so many areas you can, you can focus on the negative. You can get so caught up in, you know, what the terrorists are going to do or what the economy might possibly do or what this is going to do or what that's going to do. You can get so, that you just constantly live in fear and depression rather than have your mind renewed. Because no matter what happens, God's going to be with you and it's going to be good. If we go through some struggles in this earth, we're going to have an opportunity as believers to bring life and hope and light to those that don't have any. Think about it. Think about the opportunities. You know, we're here on earth, folks, not to be comfortable. We're here to make a difference. That's why we're here. And when we realize that, you know, in difficult times is when you can make the most difference. You know, when people are going through struggles, that's when you can help people the most. 
That's when you can reach out. That's when people are most open. That's when people are, are you know, uh, I did a wedding yesterday and the people had told me, one guy said when he was, and they go to our church, he said when he was 10 years old, he was really having a hard time and that's when he gave his life to Jesus. Uh, the, the wife, uh, the, the, the bride said when she was 23, she was going through a horrendous time. And that's when Jesus Christ, she cried out because she was at the end of her rope and she cried out and Jesus came into her life. And so I want you to know, folks, that you don't have to worry about the future. I don't know what the future holds. And I'm not one of those that just stick my head in the sand and, you know, I know we could have some rough times ahead, but I'm not worried about that. Why? Because I know who holds the future. Amen? Amen. And he holds the future, folks. <laughs> <laughs> when you know who holds the future, you don't have fear in your heart. You don't worry about those things. Your life isn't dwelling on all those things. You're focused on him. And so you can have an impact. So I want to encourage you. You know, some people get so upset when their favorite team loses a football game. <laughs> Guilty is <as> charged. <laughs> and then I think, Why? Why? I mean, I'll just be watching a football game on TV and I'll pick a team that I want to win. It's not even where I went to college. I don't know anybody on the team. They're not even, you know, necessarily in this area. You know, I'll just be watching a game and the other team starts to win and I'm getting upset. I'm thinking, I'm really upset. I want this other team to win. I thought, why do I want the other team to win? I don't know. I just like their jerseys better. I like, you know, I mean, <laughs> they're the underdog or, I, you know, some silly and I thought, this is so stupid. You know? I mean, it really is. And so <laughs> I tried to get my mind renewed. Now, when the Broncos lose, it takes me a little longer to, to get renewed. <laughs> but I'm working on that. And God's working on it, too. So, okay, number one is prayer. Number two is the Holy Spirit. Now, we have access to the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. Romans 8.11. I don't know about you, but that's pretty amazing. The Holy Spirit comes to live in us when we're believers. As we walk with him, he empowers us. And there's different times when he comes and he empowers us. And we have these, these, we have these opportunities to, to grow stronger in him. The Holy Spirit's amazing because the Holy Spirit brings things to light. The Holy Spirit shows us things. He, he, gives us, uh, he gives us the opportunity to see things as they really are. See, to have your mind renewed, you've got to really see the way God sees, think the way God sees, and then act the way God wants you to act. Amen? So that's really what it's all about. And the Holy Spirit is the one that does that. He's our comforter. He's our helper. He's the one, he's our paraclete, the one that, that's the Greek word. He walks along with us. He's beside us, but he's also in us. And he, and he directs our path. And so we have this constant companion who's always there to help us. We call our dog constant companion, but the Holy Spirit's even a better constant companion. You know, he's there with us at all times. He's there 24-7. He's never going to be without us. But sometimes our mind is so unrenewed that we forget that we have the Holy Spirit there to guide us and lead us and direct us. Right. Man, I got to tell you, it's so, so important. And, and, you know, sometimes I do that. I'll get caught up in other things and I'll forget. And it's like, boom, all of a sudden the Lord will just come and he'll, he'll remind me, you know, in, in his love. Not like, I can't believe you forgot about the Holy Spirit, the third part of the Godhead. I can't believe you forgot that. And I go, <laughs> he doesn't do that. He just comes and very gently comes to us and he helps us and he's there for us. You know, it's interesting that Jesus said in John 5, 19, he said, I can do nothing except 
what I experienced from the Father. And of course, that was by the Holy Spirit who lived and dwelt in him and moved through him. Under the old covenant, thank God we're not old covenant believers because the Holy Spirit actually dwelt in the Holy of Holies. Prophets, priests, and kings, the Holy Spirit would come upon, but the average Israeli didn't have opportunity to experience the Holy Spirit. We do as believers. And so the Holy Spirit also brings the word to life. See, when God takes the word, which is so powerful, if you have been in, in a home group and doing John Bevere's series, we just did our first one on Thursday night with our home group, uh, John Bevere's first one, where it was similar when he preached here, but uh, where he talks about the power of the word. And it's really amazing how, you know, he explains that the word was written over 1,600 years and by 77 authors and, and people from different backgrounds and, you know, fishermen and, I mean, prophets and all, all kinds of different people. But anyway, uh, <clears throat> he said, of the 200 prophecies that Jesus fulfilled, if you just take eight of them, the probability that one person could fulfill that you could fill the state of Texas with silver dollars two feet high, and one of those silver dollars would, would represent that one person. You'd have somebody fly over in a helicopter and, and drop them down. They could drop down anywhere, and they would somehow have to find that one silver dollar. That's, that's, and that's just eight. It's one to the 45th power. That's one with 45 zeros after it. That's what the chances are. The Bible's amazing. It's truth. It's inspired by the Holy Spirit. It's written in a way that brings life to us. But the Holy Spirit is the one that brings him to life. It's written by the power of the Holy Spirit, but the Holy Spirit causes us as believers to really gain tremendous access. And so I encourage you to allow prayer, the Holy Spirit, and the Word to really make a difference. The last thing I want to mention before we go into baptism is you know, it's so important to allow yourself to continue to have encounters with Jesus. Paul recognized the importance of people encountering Jesus and his presence. You know, we value the presence of God here very highly. We believe in the gifts of the Spirit. We believe in healing. We believe in all. We believe in the Bible from Genesis to maps. We don't say, well, this doesn't apply to today, and this isn't really for us. And, you know, you know we don't do that. We believe the Bible is the Bible. Amen. And thank God. And, you know, Paul was on Mars Hill with all these intellectuals, and he ministered a powerful message. In fact, missionaries, you know, when people are going to the mission field, they'll often use this. It's from Acts chapter 17. I'm not going to take you there because I'm almost out of time. But it's, it's the story where he's on Mars Hill, and there's all these intellectuals. There's Stoics and philosophers and Epicureans, and they're all, and so they're all debating with Paul. And Paul said, I saw a statue out there that said, To the unknown God, I want to tell you who the unknown God is. So he used their culture to bring Jesus into that, into their culture. But you know, there was hardly any response from these intellectuals. Oh, they listened to him, but they didn't respond. And so, right after that, in Acts chapter 18, 1, it says, Paul left Athens and headed to Corinth. Now, in Corinth, he saw an incredible revival. 
In fact, Corinth was totally changed. It was a heathen place, a lot of idol worship, a lot of New Agers, a lot of, you know, demon worshipers. I mean, it was a horrible place. But I want you to know that place was transformed by the power of God. In fact, they came and burned all their occult books and all their occult practices, and they came, and people gave their life, like, in, in the hundreds to Jesus. And then he goes on in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. He goes, he writes this to the Corinthians. And I'm going to just read this to you, and I'm going to end with this, but it's, it's 1 Corinthians 2, 1 through 5. And so it was with me, brothers and sisters, when I came to you, I did not come with eloquence of human wisdom as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God. He'd he'd used a lot of wisdom on Mars Hill. Hadn't gotten very far. For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus and him crucified. Doesn't get any simpler than that, does it? And Paul, he was a genius. Studying under Gamaliel, I mean, he knew the law better than anybody else. And he goes on to say this, I came to you in weakness with great fear and trembling. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with the demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith... I want to stop here because I'm going too fast. But notice he says, my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with the demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on the power of God. Did you hear that? My prayer is that your faith will rest not on human wisdom, but on the power of God. That your mind will continually be renewed by the Holy Spirit through the word. That truth would reign and all the things that come at you, all the negative stuff, all the temptations of this world, you would be able to resist and you would walk in the fullness of what God has. And I want you to know if you stumble, His grace is there to pick you up. He's a loving father. So if you stumble, don't hide from him. Run to him. Because he's a great God. And he has a great plan for your life. I want to pray for you. Heavenly Father, I thank you and praise you for each and every person here. And I thank you, Father, that as we're about to baptize people whose lives have been made new by you, Jesus, I pray right now for those that are here and those that are watching on the internet or might be hearing this or watching it in any way. I pray for each and every person. The most important miraculous thing that can happen is receiving Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, which causes the Holy Spirit to come and live in them, which causes a renewing and a refreshing. If you're here this morning, you say, wow, Pastor, if I were to die tonight, I'm not sure what would happen. I want you to know beyond a shadow of a doubt that Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, that he's forgiven you of your sin, that you've received him personally. It's not enough to know he died for you. You've got to receive him. I'm going to give you an opportunity in just a second. If you say, well, I did that, Pastor, at one time, but I've got to be honest with you, I've strayed off the path. I want you to know his arms of love are just waiting for you to come back. He loves you deeply. He hurts for you. He loves you. So if you're in either one of those categories, I'm not going to have you stand or come forward. I want you to raise your hand, though, as a way of saying, Lord, I need you, Jesus. I need you really for the first time, or I need you to, I'm coming back to you. God bless you. I see that hand. I see that hand as well. Just kind of wave at me. God bless you. Other hands. I don't want, I'm not, I, I, I'm not going to have you stand, as I said, but it's so important that you respond. Thank you, Jesus. I want you, everybody, to pray this simple prayer. Say this with me, Lord Jesus. I need you desperately. Thank you for dying for me. Now forgive me of all my sin, all my mistakes. 
Thank you that you do. Come into my life. Make me the person you want me to be. I'm yours, Jesus. You're my Lord and Savior. I'm coming back to you. Let's give Jesus a great hand. Hallelujah. God bless you. 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 By the way, after the service, Pastor Jeff, uh, Pastor Jeff, Elder Jeff, <laughs> anyway, he's just about a pastor. So anyway, he'll be down here uh, to help you if you need a Bible. Anyway, he'll pray with you. He'll be right down here. Uh, tell you what, at this time, we're going to, oh, oh, I want you to see a video. Gee, I forgot about the darn video. Uh, sorry. This is a great video. It's not a darn video. Anyway, it's really a good video. Uh, and, and the guy that's in the video is here. And so anyway, you're going to enjoy this. It's a three-minute video, and then we're going to baptize people right after it. You know, like a lot of people, I mean, we all have different stories, but I was, I was actually uh, raised in the church, you know, had, a, had, had good, good Christian uh, values and beliefs and on both sides of my, uh, my family. But around the time of, of my senior year in high school, um, I kind of started to, to, to veer off the, that path and uh, started getting involved in, in drinking a little bit and then went off to college and then things just really kind of got out of control. You know, I felt like I needed to, uh, to be included and the way I, I felt being included was by, by drinking and doing drugs. And, you know, I, I, I got in with, you know, different groups of people where that was a comfortable place for me and they accepted me, you know, for who I was in that. Um, well, that just kind of started a process where um, when I had troubles or when I would struggle with something, I would go to drinking and I would go to drugs to medicate and do that. Um, you know, and I didn't even really realize that I had a, an issue or I had a problem with, with, with addiction. Kind of had a, an aha moment. Um, I was supposed to do something and, you know, I kind of went on a, a, a three-day bender and woke up and missed a day. And, you know, it all finally caught up to me. I woke up that morning and that was on uh, June 3rd. 2007, looking back at it, I realized, you know, I'm done. You know, I can't do this anymore. You know, I wasn't going to church then. I wasn't, you know, doing anything, but I could really, as I look back on it, I felt like God was just kind of grabbing me by the back of the neck and, and pulling me. He's like, no, you can't do this anymore. That was when everything just kind of switched. Um, that fall, I was, um, I was baptized, uh, born again. And it's like, okay, everything's going to be great now. You know, it, it wasn't, it wasn't the sense that, yes, I, you know, I knew what I was here for and I knew I had a purpose in my life, um, but, you know, it didn't make life any easier. So I started coming to church here a little bit and um, I found another group here called Celebrate Recovery. Boy, that was, that was amazing to do because to me, because I was here, I was, and I was a recovering addict. I had been sober and they've got this group here that, you know, this is Christ-based, this is God. You know, they talk about an AA, our higher power. You know, in Celebrate Recovery in the church, we know who our higher power is, and that's God. So I was like, this is a perfect program for me. I think so many people hide behind different things and don't feel comfortable in the church talking about certain things. You know, we're all, we're all broken in, in one way or the other, and we need each other. And, you know, that's what, this, that's what this family is all about. And, you know, by the grace of God, you know, I'm here today. Again, I'm present in my kid's life, which is one of the biggest things for me. And, you know, I've been sober for nine years, uh, which without him, there's no way I could, I could do that. I couldn't do these things on my own. It's not uh, my will that has done this. It's, you know, 
it's his world. My name is John Keeson, and this is how God's transformed my life. Why don't you stand up? We just want to, we want to honor you today, buddy. God bless you. <laughs> okay, it's really important that you know that we baptize believers and we dedicate babies, because the scripture says to baptize believers. Each one of these individuals has given their life to Christ, and so this is a very special moment. And uh, I just want you, as, as they're being baptized, if you'll extend your hands to them. You know what? Baptism... You're not saved through baptism. You're saved when you receive Jesus Christ. If you confess with your lips, Jesus is Lord, believe in your heart, God raised from the dead, you'll be saved. But baptism is very important. Baptism tells the world that you belong to Jesus. It tells the angelicos and the demonicos that you now belong to Jesus Christ. It's something that you'll always remember. It's that seal that causes you to, to remember that he is Lord of your life, no matter what. And so at this time, uh, we're going to begin to baptize. And so, the, and so here we go. Father God, right now, I thank you. As people are baptized, this will be an experience they'll never forget. In Jesus' name. Thank you for the witnesses here to see this and to be part of this. In Jesus' name.